Real Goddess, Discovering Your Divine Destiny by Cherie Sandal, Episode 22, Manifesting Power. Real Goddess is the most important thing you can know about in your life. It's the end goal of all we become in this life. A wise man said that in this current day and age, women will be seen as different and distinct in the happiest of ways and that a large gathering of women will rise up in strong numbers, dividing the wicked from the good. And I'm here to rope you in, sister. So when I was back in college, I had a instructor, and his name was Bob Murray. And he taught one of my, uh, my, one of my management classes, because my degree was in business. So... He introduced to us the idea of the 5 by 5 contract. And what he said you should do is to put your five goals that you would like to have accomplished in the next five years down on a 3 by 5 card and then stick it somewhere where you will see it every day. So I was like, okay, that's, that's great dreaming. I love that idea. And so I wrote down my five goals and... The most difficult of those goals, I had no idea how I was going to get. And it was to write my own music CD. So my minor was music. And I had some songwriting classes in that minor. And I found that I like writing music. So I thought, well, that would just be great if I could create my own album of piano solos. And so I had no idea. This was back before people all had computers. The internet was just barely out. So I just didn't even know how it would possibly happen. But I stuck it on there. And then I stuck it on the front inside page of my planner that I carried around all the time back then. And then I just went about life. And I graduated. And I got married. And we started having children. And about five years after I had written down this five by five contract to myself, I realized, well, I ran upon this little planner thing again that I had referred to often because I'd kept some notes in there that I wanted to refer back to again. So I looked at it all the time. And this time I actually just stopped and looked at that little five by five contract and looked through each point, each of the five points I had accomplished in that five years, including writing my own music CD, because we happened to purchase a $2,000 computer, which nowadays would just be laughable, and you would never spend $2,000 on a computer that bad. (laughs) And we were able to find some music writing software, and I figured out the software and everything that I needed to be able to create my own album of piano music, hooking it up to my parents' $2,000 synthesizer keyboard that they were done with, which is also funny that we'd spend $2,000 on that low quality of a keyboard. So I had like four or $5,000 worth of equipment that I was able to use to write myself my music CD. And I just kind of sat there with a, an open jaw looking at that contract saying, wow, I did it. I wonder what else I could do. For the next seven years, I created seven more of these piano original solos. And then ultimately, I took all of those, all the albums I had created, 
and made one album of all of the music that I like the most, and I called it From the Heart. So, and then I took that to a professional recording studio where I actually was able to do a really good job on recording that album with a six-month-old belly of a baby growing inside, which was amazing because I wanted to make sure I got that before my belly was too big to play the piano very well, and also before the baby was there and time would be very hard to come by. So the point is, I made it. I made my five by five. So through the years, I've kind of toyed around with this a little bit and said, well, I'd like to do this. I'd like to write a book. And I don't know how I'm going to write a book or even how a person writes a book and how they keep track of everything and how do you do the chapters and the references and everything that's attached to a book. Well, I didn't know, but I put that kind of thing down and I called it good. And then when my kids got to where I was able to do a little more of this trying to figure out how to get my goals the way I'd like to. Then I uh, ran into someone called Leslie Householder and she wrote a book at that time called The Jack Rabbit Factor. So I read her book and it was about manifesting and how to get what you want in life. And there were a lot of points that, that were in this book and you can get it for free, the, a couple of her books, but The Jack Rabbit Factor you can definitely get for free on her website at rarefaith.org. So I, I understood her theories and how you would get to the, how you would get manifesting the thing that you want into your life. And then I kind of let it go for a little while because I was doing other things. And then I ran into her again, into her stuff. And my sister did too. And we both didn't realize that we'd been kind of uh, learning about her stuff and how to manifest. And so we were both kind of intrigued that we both had come upon this together. And so then we took one of her classes together where you really practice the manifesting power. So I'll tell you a little bit about what I learned after I say some of this, the points that I have learned through the years about the manifesting power. So let's go through my five steps. And I guess I can kind of call them my five steps but they're really things that I've learned from other people, but I'm compiling them into this five steps that I think will be helpful to you to learn how to manifest in your life. And when I say manifest, that is bring about the good thing that you want to be able to see that you are not currently seeing. So number one, imagine what you would like to have. What does it look like? What does it feel like in all of the senses from hearing to taste to smell to physically sensing it in and around you. And the feeling is key. In any class that you might take or what these mentors might tell you about manifesting, you have to have this feeling within you like you already have it. So what does that feel like? If someone were just to hand it to you and you had it right there, what would that feel like? Number two point, cast away the doubt. When your brain tells you you cannot have that, and that it's impossible and impractical, take whatever steps you need to smooth it over. So here's some ideas. A is expect doubt. In your hopeful imagining, realize where your brain will take over with doubt as a safety precaution. When you start to feel it creep in, come up with a next new imagining how wonderful that thing will be and the next thing added onto that will be as well. 
pretty soon it will be natural to skip the step of the moment of doubt. And you end on that positive picture or feeling, adding to it each time you have doubt. Soon you'll have, you will only have a long string of hopeful things you have no reason to believe won't happen. For example, if I wish that I could win a million dollars, then I'm going to imagine myself, let's say, you know, the publisher's clearinghouse comes to my doorstep. I don't even know if they do it anymore, but I used to just hope so much when I was younger, when I was little, that they would come to my door and the cameras would be hidden and I'd just be freaking out so excited that I'd just become a millionaire. So in, if, if your brain says, no, that's not possible. There's no, going to be no one coming onto your doorstep. What I might do instead of thinking, oh, that's not possible, is I might look for the cameras. Okay, so that's my next step. And then if my brain says, okay, you might look for the cameras, but that is just not going to happen. Then I start to imagine, what about when my neighbors find out? And how excited they'll be? And ooh, how will I handle that? If I have all this money and people suddenly want to be my very best friends, Huh, and then you just kind of start dreaming about how you're going to handle this thing good, you know, the good points of it. Some of it's a little questionable too, but it's real. You're you're really imagining what would happen. And then you just don't let it go further. You stop your thoughts at that point. Do something different. Listen to something, go engage with somebody, do a project, do something that kind of disrupts the the chance for anything to interrupt. Okay, so B in this process of casting away doubt is process the negative undercurrents. Take care of the, under, of the underpinning doubts that perhaps you still believe, even, either through a good listening ear, a mentor, or a coach, or a counselor, or whatever way you generally work out mentally processing the negative in your life. So how might you normally do that? And if you don't, well, you should start. Number C in the number two castaway doubts is to see the blockages for what they are. When you truly have impediments and walls blocking the possibilities of your grand wish, recognize it for what it is. The wedge finding out how bad you want it. It's movable on hinges and very open to suggestion, though it seems impenetrable. It seems like that wall or that wedge is so solid that you just can't even budge it. But it's just wanting to know how bad do you want it and I'm free to open for you. Just let me know. So when someone tells you that that thing can absolutely not be done, you can correct it in your mind as being absolutely possible with a smile and a wink. All right, number three point in manifesting. Appreciate the naysayers, but let them be the, the realistic advocate for you while you remain the dreamer. Those who love you don't want to see you hurt, so they may dissuade you. They don't have to agree with you, though. People who don't love you have their own issues, and they may take them out on you. Like, they may be jealous if you were to, able to be able to get something like that, for example. So see it for exactly what it is. Their baggage. Okay, the fourth point of manifesting is to continue with hopeful expectation. Like you're waiting for it to arrive on your doorstep like an Amazon package. You don't have to do anything to make this happen. Well, except for you put in the order, right? Which we talked about in imagining it happening. 
though you do want to follow little steps and nudges and urges that come to your mind and spirit. Don't effort and frustrate and worry things into existence. What you want wants you, and it will meet you halfway. I learned that point at the end there from Leslie Householder, that what you want wants you. It's not sitting there just hiding, thinking, ha she can't find me. It does want you. You want it, it wants you. So just be in a happy um, engagement together. Fifth point of manifesting is to repeat all those steps over and over. So there's imagine what you would like to really have. Cast away doubt. And we had a three points in that one. Appreciate the naysayers. Continue with hopeful expectation. And once again, repeat the steps. And you will soon start to see things coming into your life that you are amazed at. So here's a little caveat and a note. It may not happen exactly how you think it will in the details of getting there, but you will find that it matches all of your points that you insist on. It may look quite different than what you thought it would, but it still fit everything you requested. So be careful here. Don't wish for what you don't really want. I'm going to give an example here of something that I wished into existence. And I just have to say that I am wishing all sorts of things into existence now, and I am seeing them which is just absolutely amazing to me. But now I don't even um, get really surprised at it anymore because I had already felt like I already had it. So there's not really that huge of a surprise. So I'm going to tell you a story of how I manifested and I'm going to go backwards. The thoughts that I had going in a backwards direction and then tell you how it manifested. So this is exciting stuff. Come on, get excited with me. So going backwards, here's my fifth point. I am coming home and entering the family room from the garage with a smile on my face on my face and an exhausted exhilaration sitting on the couch and telling my family how wonderful my experience was. Now note, I don't actually know what the experience is. I just know that I want to be coming home telling my family how awesome it was and I'm exhilarated and I look in the mirror and my face is shining. There's food waiting for me, and the things that have been irritating me are magically not a problem at all. I am just happy to marinate in the good feelings of the success I just had. Okay, number four point. I will have been with a group of people with a similar goal, having come together and enjoying the process together immensely. Now going backwards again to point three. I have done solo creative work on my own, being able to have determined, quiet focus as I accomplished my goal. Okay, backwards again to point two. I have not had undue effort or money expended on on my part, and in fact I am reimbursed, whether by money or favors or even just that great feeling. And then number one, wanting to and being asked and requested to come and do something based upon my good qualifications. So I didn't directly have to do anything to get me to this place. I didn't have to do a lot of backbreaking effort or contacting a million people to try to get this opportunity. It just sort of fell into my lap. So let me tell you how it really happened. I had all these things imagined into my mind of how I wanted to see this happen. 
So we had an awards ceremony coming up that is kind of a big deal to the seniors of the high schools throughout the state of Utah called the Sterling Scholar Awards Program. And it awards the very highest of the accomplishing seniors for their leadership and their service and citizenship, their scholarship, and their category. I uh, would be the person that would, would know about music in their category their good grades, their ACT scores, and just what kind of an all-around person they are. And then judges will come together and will determine the winner and then the two runners-up. And I I just never even thought that it, that would be anything that I would ever do, though I helped my son when he tried to become the math sterling scholar for the region. He made it to the school because he, he was easily the the choice for our local school and then for whatever reason that I will never know he didn't quite make it to the region scholar which we're now okay with he said there were some important learning lessons that he learned but that was the extent of my experience with the sterling scholar so imagine my surprise when I got a text one day asking if I would come and judge this scholarship program because all of their normal judges from the universities were not wanting to do it with the COVID-19 pandemic going on. So at first I thought, oh, I don't know, I kind of had a bad experience with that with my son, you know, the whole Sterling Scholar thing and him not winning and oh, I don't know. I thought about it for a minute and then I thought, wait, this is my number one point. Someone is asking and requesting for me to come and do something based upon my good qualifications because I was recommended by someone who also couldn't do it this year. They had asked someone else and she said, oh, get, get Sheree. Sheree's great. So I was able to say, yes, I would be able to do that. I'm uh, pretty much open that day and I would be happy to come help you with that. So I didn't have to do a whole lot. I did have to look through their, their, the portfolios of nine students, and I didn't have to spend any money. And I was just locally here anyway where they're going to be having the ceremony. And so there was some time that I put into it, but it was really fun to get to know these nine candidates in their musical greatness because I was judging the music category. So then there was a day... After I had done my, my solo work of trying to determine who I thought would be a good candidate and listening to their selections that they had given the judges to base their excellence on and pouring through their portfolios, there was that time when I came together with two other judges and we were able to work together as a small group of people with similar goals, enjoying the process together as we tried to determine who would be the best Sterling Scholar. So, eventually, we easily came to a conclusion after four hours of interviewing and determining that, yes, we knew who the number one music Sterling Scholar of the region would be, as well as the second and third place. And it was smooth, easy. It was delightful to be working with these other two judges. And I was on fire. So, imagine me coming home after that process and that experience, which I would have never guessed I would ever be doing. And I entered into the family room from the garage with a smile on my face and exhausted exhilaration, sitting on the couch and telling my family how wonderful my experience was. Okay, now here's the next point that's kind of funny. 
in my imagining, I always imagined they had dinner waiting for me. Well, the funny part was that we'd been given a lunchbox from this group of people who were um, hosting the ceremonies, and they had given us this this food, this box full of food for us. So I had snacks, I had some food I could just chow down on that was given to me as a favor from them. And then I also found that I was able to get a gift certificate to a store that is is usually out of my price range, and I don't usually shop there. So I was pretty excited about that. So I even got compensated for that as well as the good feeling. And as I passed the mirror and I just saw my face just shining, I thought that was it. And then I realized, oh, guess what? I just manifested that thing that I've been thinking about. And it was just kind of a jaw-dropping experience to say, good job, you did it. There it was. So that was a really good example to me of how you can start manifesting. And I'm going to keep manifesting that experience because it's really fun to me and it's flexible and creative and I just love, that's what I would just like to do. Like I haven't figured out how, like what I'm going to be, but I like to attract these experiences in that I don't necessarily have to be anything. I just get to experience these wonderful things that are new and fun and and life-changing. So now let me backtrack just a little bit to Leslie Householder. And when uh, my sister and I were taking her class together, we were supposed to come up with something that we wanted to manifest into our life. And they said, don't make it anything too big as part of the class. This was our project that we'd be doing, our manifesting project. And they said, don't make it too hard because your brain will immediately resist it if you're like, I'm going to win a million dollars. Like it's just, you're, you're not quite there yet. So we were supposed to have a practicing experience. So they said some ideas were that you could find something that you've lost or you could attract someone into your life that has a particular hair color, maybe like red hair in that day that you want to be able to see someone with red hair or, you know, whatever it might be that you ran upon something that you've been trying to find in a store, you know, maybe shoes for a long time. I was trying to find shoes, but I finally manifested those black practical shoes that my grandma would wear and now I will wear. (laughs) So I thought about it and I thought, well, you know what? I have been wanting for a long time to find a a scrapbook that I made when I once worked down at the Grand Canyon when I, before I was married and I'd been looking for years. And in the end, I just figured, I think my husband has probably just accidentally thrown it out because I don't think I would ever accidentally throw this, this binder the scrapbook out because it was so precious to me and I just remember it was back it was full of pictures of back when a picture actually meant something because it was 35 millimeter film in a um, non-digital camera I don't don't even know what you call those nowadays just a regular camera and so you were selective with the pictures that you took and of course I didn't keep the little negatives that they would give you when they delivered your pictures to you And I just had really fond memories of that summer. And I'd put pictures and songs and journal and everything into it. And I referred back to it often. And I I wanted to show my kids some of the pictures and some of the experiences and just remember some of the stories that I was starting to lose the details about. So I thought, well, and I'd already looked through my library. I had looked behind shelves in weird places, stuck in between books. I couldn't find it. So I thought, this will be great. I will manifest this into my life. 
And then there's a little joker kind of in the background going, <laughs> you'll never find it. And so I had to use my little uh, things that I learned in this class of just keep the feeling of when you find it. So I imagined myself opening it and looking at it and going, oh, with my jaw dropped and with my jaw still dropped, I went and around and found my family members and said, oh, guess what I just found? I've been wanting to show you guys this forever. I can't believe I just found this. Hey, can I tell you guys about this? Look at this picture of me. Look how young I looked. Oh, I remember this memory at Lake Powell was so awesome on my day off. So I started to imagine these experiences anytime that little, little joker came in. And I started just taking the little hints that she tells us through this course of believing with 100% faith that you are going to find whatever this is or manifest whatever this thing is. And remember, her site is called rarefaith.org. This is a rare faith because it is actually truly believing that you're going to bring something into your life. So I woke up one morning and I was holding this image in my mind of finding the binder. And I didn't pressure myself too much, but just kind of opened my mind to what I might do that day. And as I was going through the day, I suddenly had this urge to go and find a journal that I knew exactly where it was in one of the bedroom closets. That This is just a place where I'd stuck my journals that I didn't want necessarily kids to be rifling through or to take up the space in the library because I put it in a big plastic tub and it was just kind of big and bulky. So I stuck it into a closet. And I had this urge to go find out a detail from a journal from when I was just dating my husband. And it was actually because we were kind of debating who had asked who out first. And he insists that I did. And I, of course, insist that he did. So I, want, I was like, hey, guess what? I've got the journal. And he's like, oh, no. So I was going to go find this. And as I was sifting through my tablets... I ran upon a binder and I pulled it out and I thought, oh yeah, that binder I see all the time, but that's not what I'm looking for. And then the thought came into my mind, look again. I was like, what? So I pulled the binder out and I was like, yes, I see this binder all the time. And, and why, this isn't what I'm looking for. This isn't my, my journal that's going to say who asked who out first when we were dating or about to be engaged or whatever. And then I, I pulled it out a little farther and at the bottom... It said, 111 days at Jacob Lake, which was down by the Grand Canyon. And I pulled the binder all the way out, and I opened it up, and my jaw dropped, and I said, Oh, I forgot I stuck it in this binder because I was afraid it was going to get ripped up in the folder that I had it in. And I stuck it into a real binder, and I didn't realize this was the binder. I ran upon this several times through the years and not realized that I had transferred it to a different cover. And I held it as I walked through the house and upstairs to where I said to my family, guess what I just found? And they kind of looked at me like, okay, you're holding a binder, big deal. And I'm saying, no, this isn't even that I found my Jacob Lake binder. It's that I manifested the thing this morning that I meant to manifest. And they gave me appreciative looks like, wow, good. And they just turned around and kept doing their thing. <laughs> but I was serious, just like, wow, I manifested something that I totally did not expect to. 
So now, how does the manifesting power relate to the goddess? The goddess is a manifester by nature. Faith is knowing, so it's no longer faith. She believes things into existence. She progresses beyond knowing when something won't work out to making it work out by faith and good attracting power. It goes beyond knowing something may or may not work to instead definitely making it work. Through pure belief that time and elements will work exactly in her favor, why should they not? If they are not working favorably, there is a reason, which means in the end it is working out favorably to not have the good thing work out if that's the way it was going to happen anyway. And then, when something is not going right, there's just a part of it that needs to change in order to make it right, and she has God's power, or her own godly power, depending on where she is, if she's a goddess yet, creating a change to that peace so that the desired thing can manifest. That was a lot of words to just say, basically, she's going to make it work. In this life, we walk by faith, having a perfect hope and brightness in Christ, a source of power for us to use at will. We are practicing the skills of the goddess, which means we are expected to believe something will happen just as we hope, and then be utterly thankful when it does. I hope you will join me in awakening one million potential goddesses to their divine destiny by sharing this podcast and information with others you think would benefit. Have a wonderful manifesting power day and life.